0: Welcome to Boating Industry Insider, where we talk to executives, thought leaders, and movers and shakers from both inside and outside the marine industry. Now, here's your host, content director and editor in chief, David G. Hello again, everyone. David G here with you. Thank you for coming along on this edition of Boating Industry Insider. We are talking about jobs. Now, Americans are not just unhappy at work. They are quitting their jobs at record levels. Nearly 4 million people left their positions in April alone in the United States, and that is almost twice the number of people who quit at that month last year. So the question is, how can you battle employee turnover and create a more engaged and loyal Workforce, not a rhetorical question. We have someone here with at least a few of the answers. Heather Younger is the founder of employee engagement and leadership development firm Employee Fanatics. She is also the author of a new book, The Art of Caring Leadership. Now, before she reveals some powerful strategies to increase employee retention, let's find out from her just exactly how she got involved in this subject matter. I was working in an organization that was going through a merger and they were
1: merging five companies together. Now, when I joined, I knew that was happening, but I wanted, I joined the company because I wanted to have, uh, I was leading customer experience. It was, it was over all areas that touched the customer and I wanted to make sure the experience was consistent. So, um the merger pretty quickly I could see wasn't going so well more on the front of they were bringing in a lot of people they were hiring new people and other employees that were in the company I was at which was in the Denver office and it was like the this the flagship company the people were um concerned because they saw people come being recruited in and in other companies that had titles really similar to what their titles were and they were wondering okay am I going to be fired I'm going to be laid off you know which is going to happen in a merger and they came to me a lot of them and would ask. Like, what's happening? Leaders aren't talking to us. No one's letting us know what's happening. And the fear and the mistrust really broke down. And so I, I felt myself kind of impacted by two. And I went to the head of HR at the time for the Denver office and said, listen, we have got to do something about the trust issue and our engagement. And, and she said, you know what? You're right. You should go do something about that. I was like... What? Well, I'm leading customer experience. Like, what? But at that point, I'd already kind of served as a culture ambassador informally, just lifting other people up and being the person that people, the people trusted to come to. And so I did that. I I decided to create an employee engagement council, brought people that were in the Denver office, but they were from all the other companies all together to start talking about like, how can we break down walls? How can we build up trust? How can we make people feel better inside of all of this craziness is happening? And we did. And with really, really quick order, we started to see trust build up by doing a lot of different exercises that helped to to, to bring trust back inside of the workplace. And, um, I just realized that the merger didn't go so well uh, in the end, but I realized that during that moment, seeing how receptive people were and how the trust was building up, that, they, that, that most organizations fail to have, like have a voice for the people and listen to the people during such change like that. And I realized that's what I needed to be doing. That's why I created my company is to be that voice for those who ordinarily aren't at the decision-making table, but they bear, bear the brunt of the decisions being made. And they're also the ones that understand the customer closest to To the source of the issues that are happening and i needed to be that voice so that's what we do at employee finax we help organizations create cultures of listening so they can be more effective listeners and use the strategies and the things they hear from their from their team members to drive a better culture forward
0: well, certainly, nearly everyone could understand that culture and loyalty, you know, are are very connected, kind of joined at the hip. Uh, why are people quitting? And and I imagine that uh, you know the main catalyst for employee loyalty is not dollars, right?
1: For at the foundation of all the strategies they have is of not listening. They don't have a listening strategy. So if they're not listening, listening in any procedural way, like listening in an organized way, in a strategic way and using that information then to decide the next steps and they're just making assumptions, they're making decisions without inquiring uh, on the people and the the people's lives are really impacted. They're not doing that. So people are like, you know what, you're not listening. I've already told you like in this last year, you told me I was more productive. Our numbers went up, things were going well. And so why do I have to come back full time now? I'm so confused because I want flexibility. I want to be in Jamaica doing my work. I want to be with my kids doing my work. I was able to do it this last year. Why can't I do it now? It's the organization's failure to listen and then be flexible with this new way of working that's causing people just to leave in droves
0: well i was listening heather and here's what i heard uh, remote work in jamaica <laughs> sounds good to me there's got to be a boating industry there to uh, cover in that island nation right but on a serious note it, even with budget restraints in a world that feels chaotic and challenging one of the things i always say is that you know appreciation uh, an email a phone call uh, some affirmation some note is free and a lot of organizations aren't very deliberate and they're not very consistent about delivering that. And uh, uh, I'm kind of always, always surprised at that. So it's, you, uh, there was a, there was a stat out there a few years ago from
1: Gallup that if an employee hasn't been recognized in the last seven days, it's, it's it is as if they had not ever been recognized. They forget and their, their memories are short. So you have to be setting up, I call it uh crowdsourcing recognition. I talked about that a lot in my first book. And it's this idea of like, yes, the manager, the manager should be doing that. Yes, the organization should be doing that. Yes, by the way, the customer should be doing that. How many opportunities can we set up for people to feel um, appreciated for the work they put in? And it doesn't always have to be the manager doing it. But it has to be, I always say when, when, it, when we're looking at employee experience, uh, people want to stay at a place that makes them feel good, makes them feel included, belong, like they're heard, like they're respected, like they're bringing their best selves, like they have the ability to move up, right? But um, th- th- not one person can give all of that. To one person, right? So it needs to be a, a, a top to bottom. You know, customers can help with that, organizations can help with that, managers, coworkers. How can we expand the circle of those who can show appreciation more frequently? And that's what's going to help to keep people in your company. You're right, a lot of the things don't cost money, although a lot do uh, you know, putting the processes in place and maybe this technology systems or hiring consultants or whatever you gotta do to get things in place, those could cost. There are small little things that you mentioned before that, that organizations can do. Um, I would say to the leader, to the manager, to the leader who's like, Oh my gosh, I have to like do this, this, this and that. Yeah, yeah, actually. To much is given, much is expected. And leaders, there's a lot that is expect, expected of you, and it's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for everyone. And you have to decide whether you should be in a manager role. Because yes, you do have to do the things you mentioned, all the tactical things, the day-to-day, the projects. And you also have to show that you care, show respect, listen, uh, communicate uh, often, uh, transparently, and uh, you know, make sure that you're operating from the most congruent place that you can be, that you're operating from a place that where you're and you're filling yourself up first so you can give to others from a more full cup, not empty one. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. I, I, I do think that folks are promoted into the role, not prepared to do it, not prepared to really understand what it takes. It's, it's like part therapist, right? Part um, cheerleader, part... There's like all these different ways that we look at leadership that we have to all these things and these identities we have to be in order to be a great, caring leader. So I would say just research a lot, read a lot, understand who you are, take care of you. I can't take care of anybody else if you haven't taken care of you first. These are some kind of those really basic things. I do address some of that in that book, The Art of caring Leadership. Um, there's no rocket science stuff in there. So don't be prepared for getting rocket science stuff. Uh, there are a lot of stories in there from real leaders in the front line who are doing it. And that's why I do it, because I want real stories to surface. There's some powerful stuff out there. I was just in a call today, um, just a separate call with a group of people. And one of the gals was talking about a time when she had to, she was trying to get Cinco de Mayo to be celebrated. She was trying to have more diverse work work environment and celebrate in a way that's not like standard, like, you know, taco and tequilas. And um, she went to one of her team members, who's really the only Mexican uh, person of Mexican descent on there and said, like, you know, how, how should we do this? And she said, well, I don't really celebrate Cinco de Mayo because I don't like what it represents. And then so the the, the manager was courageous enough to go further and be inquisitive and say, can, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that I assumed that, but can you tell me why not? And she was able to really get to the truth in the matter because she engaged she leaned in she had courage to ask that question and then sit and listen very intently and then that team member felt safe enough to really speak the truth so you have to just have those environments you have to ask the questions you have to be inquisitive you have to create those and it takes a lot of work it takes a lot i am not gonna lie to you it takes a lot of work and you have to be prepared to do it or maybe you shouldn't be in a a leadership role
0: I really appreciate that illustration you gave, uh, Heather. It it shows that even when employers are are making an effort to uh, make employees feel safe or heard or seen or empowered or valued, we still have blind spots. We still have things that we don't know that we don't know. And and, uh, uh, sometimes despite our best intentions, things can go sideways. So. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I do think so. You know, we have to have, when we think about leadership, there's, you know, we talk about emotional intelligence, which, which is really kind of this idea of being highly self-aware. So aware of who you are, your biases, your weaknesses, your strengths, all the things you bring to the table. But it's also this idea of you know, empathy and organizational awareness and being aware of what's happening in the environment and, and then being smart enough to figure out how you show up in that space. So having adaptability, how adaptable are you to what is happening in the organization And should you speak up? And how should you speak up in that moment? And can you do it objectively and not like emotionally? Um, Who are you speaking to? Who is the end receiver of the message you need to give? How do they receive messages uh, in a more appropriate way? So are they someone who the emotions or the sort of stories are going to help them? Uh, how How you talk about your feelings? Or are they someone who really needs data? They need proof. And understanding those different communication styles is hugely impactful too. To this, this idea of how do we start these conversations? Should we start these conversations? What should they look like?
0: Yeah, you mentioned the word starting. I want to ask about a starting point for business owners and, and managers and leaders who are just kind of overwhelmed by all the events of the day in the past year or year and a half or whatever and and putting out fires. How do you just pick a starting place to uh, begin to to build the culture that, that you describe uh, that keeps employees feeling valued, happy and on the job?
1: I think you can you can only focus on so much. So I would say that, you know, whatever you do, always keep that, like the mission and vision of your organization, your organization's strategic initiatives or your team's strategic goals always at the forefront, making sure that, of course, the things that you do, the steps you take are congruent with who you say, what you say you value and also being authentic to who you say you are out in the world. That's the organization, organizational authenticity and, you know, obviously individual leader authenticity. So once you do that, it does make it a little easier, doesn't it? Think, think about that. If you are walking in your own values, uh, then it's easier for you to say what you should focus on and what you shouldn't because you're like, these are the things that are most important to me. And as an organization, if you have that same congruency, very clear from the top all the way down and everybody's bought into it, which is, you don't find that all in all places, I know. But if you work towards having that, then it's easier to say, okay, we're going to actually focus on these three things right now and put aside these other three or four or five, six, seven, eight, you know, these things that, because you just, you can't, none of us can micromanage or uh, can basically multitask like we think we can. None of us can do what we think we can in that regard. And so we just you have to focus on what you can focus on. And you can also also focus on what you can influence and control. But I think in the end, you, you want to be understanding each of your people. So if you kind of break this down, if you think of an organization, let's even just say there's a thousand people in this organization. And then let's say there's like 200 managers and each of those managers then oversees like whatever, a hundred people. I'm just I'm giving up a number. I know that math is not working, but do, I think you probably understand what I'm saying here is that if that manager that now understands the 100 of their team members or and even if they know five and those five know five and those five know five and they're all communicating consistently and understanding what each person brings to the table uniquely what each gift is and how that fits into the bigger picture. Remember I said if your North Star is the organization's mission and vision the strategic initiatives, the team's strategic goals as it relates to and how it rolls up to that then each individual feels feels like a whole, feels the, it, um completes the circle in the gifts they bring to the table so it's Understanding each individual's gifts, what their struggles are, what their goals are, how that then ties to those higher level goals and initiatives, that's when people feel like they have they're valuable. They feel valued. They feel like they have a home. That's when they still they start to feel like they belong.
0: Heather, has that sense of belonging changed at all in the remote environment that uh, many employers and employees find themselves in? Uh, you know, when we're not golfing or, you know, hanging out, boating, having a beer with our our colleagues and and co-workers after work.
1: I don't think you need to be in person for that. I think it's definitely a nice to have and it's definitely makes it easier if you have those those, things you talked about going golf this But To be honest, a lot of people, they don't want that. There's a lot of people who are like, I just want to do that with my family. I really don't want to do it here. I, f- I love you guys. I love all of you, but it doesn't mean I have to like go for a drink. I, mean, I love you here. We're still family here, but I have my own, like a whole bunch of stuff I have to do outside of work and I want to do it there and not here. So I, I think there's a way to do it. Um, uh, here's one way, what we do, we're a small team, but we, we make sure that we have like once a month, we do a lunch together, um, a virtual lunch together where we just do not talk work. So we have, a, we have our calls that are work calls that are like project based and what's going on with this and that. And then there's that call that we're all together and we're just here kind of like as the employee fanatics family chatting about our lives and what's happening there. Um, people start to feel more included in, in, like they're in the circle and like they're in a place that people, you know, embrace them and care for them outside of the work they do when you, when you create that space for them there. So I don't think you have to be present, like physically present to do that, but when you can be, it's nice. Like once a year, if you could potentially see them or if you could visit or, have a once a quarter type of thing where you still could go to lunch, um, even if it's with mass, if you still have to go down that road, depending on your company's policy. There are ways around it, but it starts with being intentional and, and having a foundation that you just care. You show care.
0: You've talked about being a good listener, being an active listener and, and showing people you care. I've been trying to make an effort to to be a good listener while you've been talking here. And one of the things that, that I'm getting out of it that that I feel like permeates, you know, all of all of all of what you've been talking about is both intentionality and deliberateness and and that's really uh, at the heart of this it really just takes some effort doesn't it
1: it really does. Yeah. I mean, I think any anything that's worth having, you have to continue to commit to it. And it's it's hard work. And that's why that whole multitasking thing is really overrated. Rated. We have to figure out what our priorities are, personally and organizationally. And we have to stick to those. Because otherwise, the, the noise gets foggy, clouded, and all the employees they keep thinking about all these initiatives you keep bringing up over and over again, many different initiatives they've heard of five years ago, something that you dropped two weeks ago. And you got to say, what are the things that are most important to us? And, and don't just cite that at the top of the organization. Listen to the people that are driving the bus forward, that understand the business, that are closest to the source of where your revenue is coming from. Listen and then use them to to help you move forward.
0: Of course, not everyone wants to move forward with every organization. People have have lots of reasons for uh, pursuing other career roles or or jobs or positions. But one of the things that really is piqued my interest and curiosity uh, that I've been reading about lately in, in a multitude of sources is is this phenomenon called ghosting, where uh, people are emailing on a Friday and saying, I'm done and start a new job on Monday, or uh, they're calling an employer and saying, you know, I'm, I'm done. As of now, I quit. There's no two week notice. Uh, uh, what do you make of this? And, and uh, are you hearing much about this?
1: I can guarantee you this. There's not going to be one of my team members who does that to me. And here's what I mean by that is because I take time to be with them. I listen to them. I also like make sure that I'm there for them. If they need me, I also make sure if they want the day off for this or that I'm there. So then in that there's, I, I, that's the ghosting concept and I can't ever see that it never has happened. And I don't ever think it will be, but that's because I, I, like I said, I'm going to use that word again, intentional. I'm very intentional about feeding them about, uh, you know, growing them. And you don't just ghost a person who does that for you. You don't. So, you know, again, let's just going to go back to all the things we just said. Think about the good, yes that there's a flaw in the person who does it should the person have done it nope it's not right would they have done that if you were a person who fed them if you were a person who filled them up and and grew them and looked to them and met them where they're at um in their shoes. I doubt
0: it. I doubt it as well, Heather. One thing I am certain of, though, and that is that you have given us some really good tips and takeaways on how we can battle employee turnover and create a more engaged and loyal workforce. And as we've heard, those things definitely go together. Thanks so much, Heather, for joining us. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me, David. That was Heather Younger, the founder of employee engagement and leadership development firm Employee Fanatics and author of the new book, The Art of Caring Leadership, that we will uh, post information about on the website. Hey, thank you so much for joining us as well. Always happy to have you along. I'm David G, content director and editor-in-chief at Boating Industry. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe, and we will see you on the water. So long, everyone. Thanks again for listening to this edition of Boating Industry Insider. We'd love your feedback or let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes. Happy boating!